I need to know everything Who in the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But act like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George I hop in the Porsche with five and a horse I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws To turn to a ghost I need to know everything Now you be surprised at the info you get Is by letting them talk So I'm letting them talk Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in science to let them and talk up their body. Another one body, that's just how it go. I got some secrets. Hello and welcome to JK Plus One. I am not your host, PTF. He's he's actually messaging me about uh, some about the Breeders' Cup, trying to get me to, I don't know, carry this big piece of equipment. I, I don't know what he's doing. He's up to he's up to no good. I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin, and uh, we're back. JK Plus One. We had a little bit of a break. We were uh, a little post Saratoga. When I'm a honeymoon, and now I am back, and we will be rolling through the end of the year. Um, want to thanks uh, say thanks to our friends at uh, Qatar Racing uh, once again for for their support of the podcast. Uh, Sheikh Fahad and the team, uh, exciting stuff going on, and they they've got uh, they've got uh, ever so mischievous. So we talked about on this show uh, earlier in the spring who who's won a stake at Churchill. So I think that the that uh, that horse has a lot of promising um, races in the future. Uh, also, get ready to see the big mare coming up here pretty soon, Caravel, uh, getting back in action soon. So I want to thank our friends at uh, Qatar Racing, and, and, and I'm not sure they have any runners at the ARC this weekend. We, we had talked about possibly having some runners, and then we were going to try to try to hide on the plane and come with them to go, to go check out the ARC in, in Paris, but... Uh, but they're involved, heavily involved over there for sure. So uh, wishing them the best of luck, uh, Arc Weekend. Um, look, we're going we're gonna to jump into this episode. It was a fun episode with the sale, uh, the Keeneland sale that I'm sure most people saw and were aware of, um, into mischief. Uh, he's just a monster in these sales. He's a monster on the racetrack. He's a, a monster in the breeding shed. And so I wanted to get Mark Toothaker from Spinthrift Farm to talk a little bit about what they have going on at Spinthrift. Also, kind of how he got into the game, uh, the unbelievable kind of super mare and 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 Tamra, you know, the daughter of Beholder, who's likely to be the favorite for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. And I uh, just wanted to catch up with Mark and and get to know a little bit more about uh, what it's like to 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 be a stallion sales manager at a big farm and and uh, what uh, what that uh, that role uh, consists of. So. We'll uh, go ahead and jump right into it. Make sure you follow, uh, comment, uh, subscribe, retweet, tweet, all those good things. Share it with uh, friends who you think might find it interesting as well, just in case uh, they're somehow missing it. Uh, but uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, my friend, Mark Toothaker. Mark, what's going on? Hey, JK, man, uh, everything is great. We've got it rolling already over here at Spencer's. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I'd imagine that that uh, going to a sale when you have arguably the best sire in the world, uh, it makes it for uh, an exciting sale, huh? Well, it does. I mean, you know, in the mischief, just to be here, you know, to see where he's come from, you know, from us basically, you know, begging people to breed to him, doing, you know, contracts at 7,000 bucks and and then to, you know, see his meteoric rise, you know, it's just been, it's been crazy. You know, I remember um, when I first came over here, I put something on Facebook just trying to promote him. And it was basically like he's got a horse in a maiden special weight this weekend, and he has a filly in a Louisiana bred steak race. And that was really, 
the highlights of anything that I had that I could really say about him at that time. You know, we were, we were all just, you know, on a wing and a prayer and, you know, we were seeing some promising things from a very small crop, but, you know, you never know until they, you know, those things start happening. And boy, when they started happening, I remember in his three-year-old year, uh, we were watching the races and it was uh, Vijack, you know, wins the stake at, up in New York. And uh, that same day, Golden Sense, you know, wins one of the Derby preps out in California. And Mr. Hughes said, man, he goes, this is like better than owning them. I'm not having to pay the training bills on those horses, and but I'm getting all the fun. And, you know, from there, the momentum, you know, started building and and it just kept building. And then to see him out there at the sale this year, those pedigrees, and to see him rewarded, the breeders that, you know, just have kept staying with him, following him along, uh, to see them rewarded, you know, it's just awesome. I mean, they averaged, you know, about 700,000 out there at Keeneland. And he had, you know, 15 horses this year for a million bucks or more. And uh, just, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing deal. Are, are you guys in a position now and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with the, with the breeding industry, but not obviously as, as in tune as, as, you know, guys like yourself, but do you, I mean, are you at a point now where you're turning away mares or because he's that high level or, I mean, if, you know, are you guys still pretty open? Well, I mean, it's, you know, they call themselves at, you know, at 250,000. I mean, when they're calling you to, to looking, you know, looking to get a spot to him, you know, you know, the quality of mayor is there. It's just a matter of how many do you want to breed? You know, this year was a funny year, you know, for, for the horse business. Uh, you know, we bred um, 172 mares to end the mischief, but it was the first year that Spencer was able to, you know, breed 30 something mares of our own to him. And, you know, he's 18, going to be 19 when we start breeding next year. And, and, you know, he's a horse that, you know, we feel like every year that you get with him, you're just beyond blessed. You know, we hope there's many more years left. But we're at the point now, you know, Spencer wants to, you know, breed more mares to him, have more progeny, you know, out of our mares. Because he, you know, he just, you have a mare that, you know, that's hadn't gotten a runner and she needs a runner and you breed her into mischief. And the next thing you know, you know, you've got a graded stake horse. So, he moves your mares up, you know, dramatically. And, and that's something, you know, while we've got him still here, we, we want to take advantage of that. So, you know, I would imagine, you know, we would, you know, try to sell somewhere 125, 130 seasons in him. And, you know, the response out of the sale has been real good so far. And, uh, you know, Ned is working on his mating plans, but I think we'll wind up somewhere, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, looking at this, this roster, I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's, I mean, you guys have a a fun group uh, of, of young horses too, right? Like some, some kind of up and coming guys. I'm excited to see the, the Jackie's warriors. Uh, We've already seen a few Matolis, Vacoma. uh, Obviously Omaha beach has been, been off to a good start. Uh, Who who are some of the young ones that you guys have, whether it's spin thrift you're excited about? Well, I mean, Maximus mischief uh, leading the freshman sire list. You know, he was a horse that uh, was four for four as a two-year-old. We were chasing him like several other farms here were in Kentucky. And I flew down to Gulfstream to watch him run in the Holy Bull. And 
he just didn't run his race that day. He ran third, didn't look like the same horse and comes out of the race with a bowed tendon and, uh, you know, and it needed time. So it wasn't something you could bring right in and stand. So, uh, a lot of those farms, you know, were off of him at that point, but we, you know, we liked him. He was an end of mischief. He was a big, pretty horse and we took a shot on him and, and he's throwing that he's throwing speed. You know, he didn't get the quality of mares that, uh, that some of our other stallions, you know, got there right off the get go. Cause he was 7,500 bucks, but you know, they're out running. Uh, he's, you know, he, he just, you know, we hope that there's a graded stake horse out there for him before the end of the year. And he's had 19 winners so far, and he's got some more stuff, you know, that I know is running this week. And, uh, he's been, he's been a, you know, a real pleasant surprise. Uh, you know, Omaha got all the mares. Uh, they're really starting to really come into their own right now. And, uh, we, they sold tremendous out here at Keeneland, uh, for a horse that had his first two year olds to, you know, see one go through the ring and bring 950,000. I mean, you're just like, you know, wow, you know, people believe and, and, you know, we we're riding right in there on that as well as that, you know, we feel like that they'll continue to get better as we, as we progress and, and move forward, you know, we've got, um, Matoli that you mentioned, you know, Bill and Corinne Halibrot, just super people. Uh, so glad that we've been able to do Matoli and Yopon with them. And, uh, Matoli's got a very, very good filly in VV's dream, uh, that won so impressive, uh, for Kenny McPeak over at Churchill a week or so ago. And she looks like a real legit, uh, Breeders' Cup, you know, juvenile filly. And and then, you know, uh, Vino Rosso uh, banging away, got a bunch of winners, doing good. And he's got a, a horse, the Wine Steward, that's three for three, that's going to run uh, here in the in the Breeders' Fraturity and a shot in a grade one. And he's an exciting horse. Becky Thomas and I bred him. And uh, so we've, you know, we've been, you know, just – cheering every time he runs and he's just you know to be able to be three for three and do what he's done you know we look forward to this grade one race and it would be a thrill upon thrill if he could win that and you know punch his ticket to go uh go to Santa Anita well I, I tell you you know of all those that you named that have these two-year-olds first two-year-olds Matoli it was always one I was excited about uh, as a stallion uh, you know any horse that that can do it he did sprinting but then also you know, uh, just run outstanding in, in the Met Mile. You know, I, I always felt, and I even had Steve on uh, this podcast at one point, I always felt that he could have gone longer. But I think, you know, Steve just said he just, he, he had some issues that let's not change anything up. If he's, if he's good, let's keep him good. Let's keep him here. Let's not try to change things. But Steve was pretty adamant thinking that uh, Matoli wouldn't have any problem, you know, doing a mile and an eighth. Well, that's, you know, it's what he said after he won the Met Mile. We, you know, we mentioned something, you know, would you go to the Whitney? What would you do with him? You know, how far, you know, how far will he go? And he, he said, how far do you want him to go? He said, you know, he'll, he'll do whatever needs to be done. But he said, I think I'm, you know, just what you said. He goes, I think I want to keep him sprinting. Uh, I think that's our best path, you know, to the Breeders' Cup and, you know, look, I, as, as I always say with Steve, I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame and I'm not. And, uh, and you know, what he says goes. And, and you know, every time that, that he and Scott Belazzi have told me about a horse, you know, that they're excited about in their barn, you know, the first thing I've done is run back here to, 
to Ned and Eric and, and tell them that, you know, hey, we need to try to see about getting this horse. And every time they've, they've done that, you know, they've been, they've been right on the money. Uh, so we're, you know, we're covered our relationship with that barn and uh, Steve, you know, he knows how to turn them out. There's, there's no doubt about it. Just amazing. And and I you know, I'd imagine when you when when a farm and, and I would imagine it's a it's a it's a conscious effort conscious effort as well when you have a, a big horse like Into Mischief, you, you want to try to find you know the those sons of Into Mischief to try to kind of carry that uh, that success is is that kind of the plan with with horses like authentic I mean obviously you raced authentic so it, it made sense for you guys to stand authentic but is that kind of the plan to try to find kind of that that next Into Mischief. It is. Okay. No doubt about it. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we've, we've got three sons of into mischief and they're all in different price points. Now that may change, you know, with the way Max is doing, you know, he may wind up being the second highest priced one we've got, but, but, you know, authentic, you know, was just, uh, uh, his speed was his weapon. And, you know, a couple of times when he, uh, we tried to rate him and tried to go the lead and sit or something along that line. It just, you know, we were, we were taking his weapon away from him. And, you know, when you let him do what he did in the Derby and what he did in the, in the Breeders' Cup Classic, it basically just run them off their feet. You know, that's when he was certainly, certainly the most dangerous. And, you know, to have, you know, uh, he had a $900,000 Colt. He had an $800,000 Philly. Uh, you know, he had hundred horses, you know, out there in the sale and, you know, he averaged 302,000, you know, we're, we're very excited, but we have, you know, authentic who, uh, is the, uh, you know, our highest price son of into mischief. He's going to stay in 2024 for 50,000. We think that's tremendous value for a, uh, a Kentucky Derby winner, a, a Breeders' Cup Classic winner, a horse of the year. Excited about the demand that, that had on him, um, and then hold on one second, J.K. I got you there. You're, you're fine. No worries. Okay. Yeah, my Bluetooth kicked off there a second. Uh, so we've got uh, Golden Sense, who is you know horse that ran in the Derby, horse that won the Breeders' Cup Mile twice, a, a horse that won the Santa Anita Derby. You know, he's just been such a solid sire for us. Uh, he's not the biggest horse. Uh, he's kind of a thicker made horse uh, that, you know, shorter leg that you have to, if you're trying to breed commercially to him, you have to, you know, you have to breed a, a big mare to him. Where Authentic is a big leggy, stretchy into mischief. Golden Sense is kind of the other end of the spectrum. He's more of a blocky, stocky type horse that needs a big stretchy mare for him. Uh, but you know, he, he can get you a grade one winner, uh, you know, on the grass, he's had so many good runners on the, on the dirt as well. And, and then Max, as we talked about, and then, you know, we also have, um, by my standards and by my standards is our first grandson of, of into mischief and what a good racehorse for Brett Calhoun and Chester Thomas. And, uh, he's getting, you know, we're pleasantly surprised to see that, He's throwing leg on his foals. And so we think as breeders and folks that are pin hookers that are going to be out at the November sale looking at all these foals, they're going to love what they see in the By My Standards because they're going to be leggier uh, than the Golden Senses uh, have been. So we're anxious to see what people feel about that. But we're, 
we're definitely all in on into mischief. Um, we've got giant mischief that just won impressive back the other day over at Churchill. He's a horse that we had big triple crown race hopes for, and then he wound up, you know, having a setback and had to go to the sideline, but man, he came back impressive the other day. And so we're, you know, we're excited that he's back and, and look forward to what, you know, what he can do next year. And who knows, maybe he winds up over here at, uh, standing for us, uh, in a year or two. And then, you know, one other one that I wanted to definitely touch on, um, is, is Vacoma, um, a horse that, that, uh, you know, really captivated my attention. You know, he just, he was such a cool horse, such a game gut gutsy horse. Uh, I, I still, to this day will say that uh, from that 14 hole, he was winning the breeders cup sprint at Keeneland. Uh, if he were able to get in the gate that day, uh, I think he would have beat Whitmore. I, I, I just, I've always loved Vacoma. I thought he was such a cool racehorse. We were really crushed when, you know, we got the news from George that, that he, shipped down and had a temperature and and uh wasn't going to be able to run and and so you know george and cindy rode with him uh in the trailer they were emotional you know we were emotional uh it was such a you know a, a shame that he didn't get to run you know I, I love ron moquette whitmore what a horse and everything else but you know we would have loved to have taken our chances you know, in that race that day. And, and I agree. I don't think anybody was going to beat Vacoma that day. And, you know, George, look, George gets all the credit, a hundred percent of the credit for that horse being here at Spencer, because, you know, us, like everybody else, I mean, you watch that horse come down the stretch and you're like, well, he's got to be so crooked. There's got to be something, you know, that would make him difficult to be able to stand him. And so, you know, you've got that, in your head and you know george called and he said tooth he said why what what why haven't you been up here to see this horse and i said george he's got to be like crazy crooked and he said oh he said he, he said you think i would buy a horse like that i'm not buying a horse like that he look he said a horse walks right at you he said we didn't realize he did any of that until we breezed him and then we we're like well what's going on he said listen fly up here i'll pick you up at the airport I'm going to take you over to the track. I will show you Vacoma myself. We'll go get some lunch and I'll take you back to the airport. And he said, I'll guarantee you're going to love this horse. And everything he said was exactly right. I, I looked at him. I'm like, my oh, gosh, I mean, he comes at you great. He's such a great bodied horse. And, and, you know, breeders jumped in there when they came out and saw him, you know, ever, it was funny, you know, you'd watch people look at him. And they would have you walk him a couple of times because they didn't want to believe their own eyes because they knew how he ran. And so they they had the this preconceived notion that they that he had to be, you know, awful crooked like like we all did. And then, you know, walk him again, walk him again. And boy, they're watching close, you know, to see what in the world would make him paddle like that. But you can't tell. I mean, there's he does it out of the shoulder and there's nothing you can watch this horse walk and do out here that would tell you, yeah, oh yeah, he's going to paddle that left front. Well, so he's certainly not throwing anything along that lines. He's throwing these great bodies and every one of these guys that pinhook here and, and that's how so much of their income is derived from, 
they've seen these things, they've bought these things, and they want to continue buying them. And the ones that have broodmares want to keep continuing to breed to him. So Vacoma has a huge chance of making it. And, you know, Candy Ride has been just an awesome sire. And, and you know, you look at all of his sons standing at stud and, and you're just, you know, you're like, my gosh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's got so much going on. And so we're excited about Vacoma's chances. We're excited about our breeders that are thrilled to get back to breed to him in 2024. And, and, you know, we, we've got him, we got rock your world, another son of candy ride that had immense talent and, and uh, kind of went off the rails, but you know, big pedigree, big stretchy horse. He's kind of the opposite of Vacoma. Vacoma's a big hip, powerful made horse. And Rock Your World's a big, tall, stretchy horse. He's out of an empire maker mare, and he really looks more like an empire maker. So, you know, if a breeder's breeding to one of those horses, they're not breeding to the other with the same mare. So they're a very good fit here. They don't compete against each other for the, for the same type mare. Well, you know, I, I'd imagine that the the, the stallions are, are all exciting, and and that's fine. But uh, there's a there's a filly out on the west coast. I'd imagine that the the purple and orange are, are pretty excited about with uh, Tamara. Well, touch wood, you know that uh, that she stays sound and everything is good. And you know, anytime you name uh, you name a horse after a family member, in this case, Tamara you know, being Wayne's daughter and, uh, you know, that's, uh, you're putting an immense amount of pressure, you know, on a horse. Every time I named one after my wife or one of my kids, it, it didn't make it to the races or it couldn't outrun me and somebody in a sack race. But, you know, that this filly had, had shown, uh, some talent down at Rolls, down at King's Equine, uh, you know, Richard, always normally you know we, we we keep everything out of that mare we did sell the curve out of her this year and and uh but up until that point we've kept everything and what we've kept has always went to to richard but you know it's it's a it's a great story um on how that all came to be um you know we when we wanted to buy bolt doro uh, Mr. Hughes and I flew to California. We, we met with Mick Ruiz out there. Mick wanted to stay in on the horse. Uh, he didn't want to sell all of him. And, and so, you know, Wayne being a great negotiator, you know, we worked out the outline for a deal. Uh, Mick was extremely happy to be partners with Wayne. Uh, Wayne, you know, we love the horse to be a big stretchy, you know, Medallia Dioro that, that wins two grade ones at two with a pedigree like his out of an AP Indy mayor, you know, he, he was doing things that his pedigree said he shouldn't have been able to do. So a horse that we, you know, we really wanted to get. And, and so, you know, Mick bought a farm out here in Kentucky and Mick went all in. Mr. Hughes told him, Mick, don't do that. But he believed wholeheartedly in the horse. And he's like, no, Wayne, I'm telling you, Bolt's going to make it. Bolt's going to make it. And so, you know, Mick was breeding 20, 30 mares a, a year to him. And, and uh, we were, you know, we were breeding a handful of mares to him. And, and it was going to be a second year standing here for us. And, and Mick came in and, and sat down with Wayne. And, and Wayne, just in his typical Wayne Hughes fashion, he told him, he said, Mick, 
He said, listen, you've been carrying all the water on this horse. You've been doing all the heavy lifting. And he said, we've been sitting on our butt around over here. And he said, but we're going to, we need to be a better partner to you. And so I just want to tell you and that we're going to breed bolt to beholder. And Mick's jaw hit the ground. And I think some of ours hit the ground because here's a horse, you know, we're, we're going to be standing for 15,000 bucks. And, you know, we'd bred beholder to Uncle Mo and Curlin and Warfront. And, and so to go from, you know, stallion standing at that level to, to go into a stallion standing at the $15,000 level, you know, that was a big commitment, you know, for, for Wayne and for the farm. And, and, but it was huge for us sales guys, because then you could tell everybody that, listen, you know, we're breeding beholders going to bolt. So you sure should be breeding to bolt. If we're going to breed her to him, you know, you need to think about that. And it, it was, you know, it certainly helped us sell him out you know, in a hurry and, and, um, and then, you know, you get this filly and you're excited that you've got her and, and then, you know, for her to go down to Ocala and start being broke. And then, you know, we had, you know, quite a few yearlings at the time. And then for Raul to, you know, told me up at the Maryland sale at the two-year-old sale, he's like, he goes, I'm telling you that, that, that bolt filly's the best of anything you've got. She get excited. And then, you know, she goes out there to Richard and, you know, she's breezing great. And, and then, you know, to, to stumble away from there and, and Mike just keep his cool and sit the trip and win with her. And then, you know, you come back in the, into the grade one and, and, you know, Bob Baffert had, had called and, you know, we just got Tabe in here the other day. And so there'd been some conversations back and forth on, on whether he's going to make it back to the races or not. And, ultimately it was decided he wasn't and and so you know we've got him here and been showing him but you know during that conversation he said you know you guys are going to win the the debutante and you know we're like you really think so and he goes well i'll tell you there's i'm not entering a horse in the race i'm not running anything against her because i don't have anything that can beat her and so when bob's telling you that you're like my gosh you know he's out here watching her train every day and and uh, sure enough, you know, for her to run the race that she ran that day and she just, you know, took off as a, like a lot of people say, like Beholder did in the Pacific Classic, it, kind of the same spot. She hit the go button and was gone. And uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, she, she certainly, I wouldn't trade places with anybody in the, in the juvenile fillies. Uh, I, I would, you know, I think we would just, you know, hold our cards right there with what we got and take her shot. Cause she sure looks to be talented. You know, it's really funny. Like you, 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 you know, you think you, you, you send beholder to, to this one and that one and the, the biggest challenge you can think of. And then, like you said, the, you, you send her to the old $15,000 uh, bolt Doro. And it turns out that, you know, at this point, the, the best one, it, it's, it's oh, crazy how that works. It, it is. And that's a total Wayne deal. And, he gets all the credit and, and, um, you know, I know he's smiling and, uh, that's, uh, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, his belief and, and, you know, Wayne was a businessman through and through and, you know, he had partners and, you know, public storage back in the beginning. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, if he was partners with you, he wanted to do his part. And I felt like, you know, and, and, and all of us did that, you know, that was him you know, wanting to show our partner, you know, that I'm a good partner and, you know, I'm willing to take a shot here and, you know, we'll see what, you know, see what happens. So, 
we're excited on Bolt because it 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 that race, you know, we Bolt's a funny horse. He's a horse that you know, you can only breed him a couple of times a day and you have to kind of manage him on how you do that and he's a real fertile horse, but you've just got to kind of do things his way and and we've got a great operation. Wayne Howard, our stallion manager, has just done a super job coming up with a great way of breeding him. And, you know, we, um, we've we got these great big straw bales, JK, that, Leo, like you have to move them with a tractor. And, uh, and so he basically has his own barn and his own breeding shed. And then he's got a gelding over there that's his buddy. And, and so he's in a real happy place over there. But you know, we basically hook two lunge lines to him and, and, uh, he's got two handlers that when we breed him and they stand on the outside of the straw bales. And so, you know, the mare's situated and, you know, Bolt comes in there and, you know, jumps on the mare and, you know, but we can't get in there and put him in the mare and we can't get a, you know, what we call a dismount sample where we, you know, get a little bit of the semen that comes out of him after he gets off of the mare. You know, sometimes you can, uh, on a mare that needs a little extra help, you can, as long as the stallion covers her, and then, you know, you can actually put that semen back in her, and uh, as, as what they call in the thoroughbred business, just reinforcing the mare. Well, none of that's possible with Bolt. Uh, so, you know, we have to be careful on the mares that we book to him, because if a mare's tilted, you know, and her female private parts back there, then he can't get in them. Uh, and so he... Um, he has to have a mare that's kind of a medium-sized mare that he can get up on, get in her, and staying off on her. Some of these tall mares that kind of have a high pelvic bone or something, he's not comfortable up on them, and so he just, you know, he'll get up on them, but he, he'll just slide right off of them immediately when he ejaculates. And so, you know, we don't feel like we get all of the semen in them that we're, you know, trying to get to help her pregnancy rate. So, you know, we, we love you know, kind of medium-sized mares, and then bolt to just stay up on top of them until you pull him off of those off of those mares. So it's a it's a unique way of having to do it. It's different than any other stallion that we've got here. And but you know, it's look, it's all worth it. You know, you keep getting runners the way he's getting. Uh, you know, you you deal with it and and uh, you make it work. And and uh, you know, we've got him sold out for for the 2024 season and. Uh, he's going to get a great book of mares, and, uh, you know, we'll hope there's a, another great one winner like Tamara, you know, there in the pipeline. Mark, how, how did you – what was your path to, to ending up at Spendthrift? Oh, I, I'm I'm telling you, I'm Forrest Gump, J.K., of, of the horse <laughs> business. I, I've done it all. And for me to wind up here at Spendthrift was a miracle. Yeah, really. I mean, it, it was an absolute miracle. I, I, I quit college. I walked hots. Uh, I worked for Joe Canny. You know, Joe gets a divorce. You know, the horses start leaving. Danny Pites, his assistant, you know, they were moving them to other, other bigger name trainers and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I was buddies with Jeff Lucas. We played softball together up, up at Belmont. And, and so luckily, you know, Jeff took a shot on me. Let me go to work for them. Uh, went to Oak Lawn when they opened, sent their first string there with Randy Bradshaw and Dallas Stewart. And had so many memories, you know, working for Wayne. I, I saw us run 10th, 12th, and last in the Derby. And then the next year, you know, winning colors wins it. And so... 
you know, you get to see, you know, both ends of the spectrum, but I did the horses and, and, um, my dad, uh, was a small town mayor, uh, Van Buren, Arkansas. Uh, he had cows, um, you know, and he loved to go to the races and, what sparked all that is I was like 15 years old and we just finished basketball season and told my dad, I said, dad, I'd love to go to Oakland. He said, son, you're not old enough. And I said, well, dad, surely I can get in. He said, well, what if you can't? I said, well, I'll just hang out at the car. So I wind up down at Oakland and walk in the place and buddy of his was the sheriff there in Crawford County. And he, he told me, he said, Mark, you need to bet the double. And I said, well, what's that? And he goes, well, it's, the first two races and at the time that was the only exotic race that Oakland had they had win place and show and a daily double they had nothing else you couldn't bet exact as you couldn't bet a pick six anything it was just that was it and I said well, well well Mr. Vickery what would I bet he said oh son you bet your age one five and so I bet a two dollar daily double and one five comes in it pays 372 bucks and you know and i was ruined you know from that point on <laughs> i thought this is the greatest thing ever in the history you know i mean my gosh and so i've gave that 372 bucks back uh you know about a million times but it was uh it certainly certainly got me in the game and then i wanted to figure out how to get in it and and but as time went on my dad was like you know son why don't you come home get off the track and and so I did, and, and um, I sold real estate uh, for a few years uh, for a friend of his uh, there that was a, a big developer. And I was at Oakland one day, and I run into a guy that I knew off the track, and he told me, he said, uh, he goes, why don't you come down to the two-year-old sale at Lone Star? And I said, well, Rick, I, I've never even been to a sale. He said, oh, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll love it. And so I had just been married like less than a year. And so I told my wife, I said, look, I'm going to go down to Lone Star to this horse sale. And she's like, why? And I said, well, I want to go down and check it out. And she said, yeah, okay, but why? And, you know, here, you know, I've got, she's married this guy that sells real estate and, you know, we've got a house and we're hustling and all this other stuff. And now here I'm off to a horse sale and I go down there and spend two or three days and Al Pike and, and Rick Cundiff, who, Rick's the one that introduced me to Al and they were partners and, you know, they, they sell a horse for like 350,000 to Asmussen down there at the sale, a Rubiano filly. And I called my wife and I'm like, honey, I've got to figure out how to do this because if Al and Rick can do it, I know I can do it. And so that led me into the, the selling business, the breeding side of the business. We had a little farm in Arkansas that from a guy that was retiring and, and we're there uh, standing a couple of, of stallions and trying to learn the game. And Alan Poindexter, who has had tons of success in this business, Alan, I was boarding some mares for him for his Arkansas bread program. And Alan pulls in there one day and says, hey, if I bought a farm in Kentucky, would you come run it? And I was like, yeah, yesterday. But Alan, I got to sell this place. Well, the good Lord blessed us. We sold the farm. My wife, you know, thank God for her. She she was okay, and, and and so two, you know, two kids and a wife. We moved to Kentucky. We're running a farm in Midway. Um, I get a call from Des Dempsey, and Des was working for Spendthrift, 
at the time before Mr. Hughes bought the farm. And so Des calls me and says, hey, you know, would you would you guys take some mares to board? And I said, well, yeah, what's up? And he said, well, Spendthrift is being bought by B. Wayne Hughes and he doesn't want any boarders. And so all the boarders here have got to got to leave. And I was wondering if you wanted some. And, and so we were like, yeah, sure. And so, you know, four or five mares from Spendthrift showed up out here out at our place at Midway. And and once Wayne and Patty had the farm, you know, wanted a chance to come meet them and had a chance to talk to Wayne. And, and I just told him, I said, Wayne, you know, I, I don't, I'm not tailor made. I'm not one of these big consigning companies or anything along that line, but, but I've got a lot of hustle and I'd love to, you know, sell horses for you or, or get involved with what you're doing. And he said, well, are you working for any other, you got a relationship with any other stallion farms up here? And I said, no, sir. And he said, all right, well, I'm going to start building a stallion roster at Spinthrift, and I'm going to make you a deal. You help me hustle mares for my stallions, I'm going to give you horses to sell. But if you quit sending me mares, I'm going to quit sending you horses. And we shook hands, and, you know, that was just a, a an easy, easiest way of doing it is is Wayne didn't wasn't looking for anything in riding. He just wanted a handshake and a look in the eyes, and, and, uh, and so then, you know, I, I, every horse that Wayne was trying to get started over here, I was calling everybody that I'd done business with or anybody I thought that might do business with me and was trying to get them to come over here and, and breed at Spendthrift. And as you know, time went along, uh, 2008 hit, uh, it, it cut every horse's value in half. Uh, I was selling horses with Tommy Easton, a friend of mine, we had this legacy bloodstock together. Things were, were rough. We were just trying to survive. And, and, uh, uh, Wayne approached me and just said, Hey, listen, you know, I, I think we're at that point now, uh, where, you know, I can bring you over there full time. And so I laugh and say, you know, he made an offer that my wife couldn't refuse. And, you know, you're going to have insurance, you're going to have a, a 401k plan, you know, you're going to get a weekly check. And, and at that time, the horse business had been rough on us. And, uh, and it was the shot in the arm that we needed and, and, you know, was extremely humbled uh, to, to be able to come over here full time. And, and, you know, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. It was, it was funny, you know, we had some stallions that, you know, we were just trying to prove them and, you know, they weren't the, they weren't the top shelf horses. And, and, uh, we, you know, we gave Wayne, I remember in a sales meeting, we'd always do sales meetings on Monday and we gave him our, our wish list. And he looked at it and he said, you all are trying to turn us into Windstar. And we said, yes, yes, we are. Because we want to go get these better stallions to be able to move us up from where we're, we've been playing. And, and, uh, and so, you know, he, he had in his mind, he liked buying them for not a ton of money and he loved the return on investment. If you could, you know, get something to work out, but, but he had faith in our team and, and, uh, he was willing to, to step up and put money up and, and, uh, buy horses like Omaha beach and, and then go get authentic, you know, there. Cause we, we felt like he was into mischief's best shot at a derby horse and, and, and just, you know, Wayne, you know, saw the return on his, on his investment. Uh, he knew that, that our team was going to do everything within our power to, to make him money on his money. And, and, uh, then, you know, the, the deals got, 
easier to pitch to him, you know, when he, when he realized that, Hey, these guys, you know, I got a good team here and, and, you know, God bless Eric and Tammy Gustafson because, you know, they, they were able to kind of witness uh, the, the blast off of what we were doing. And, and they've just been the best that if we bring them something and say, this is what we'd like to do, you know, if we can make the numbers work, Eric and Tammy, you know, are willing to take a shot. And that's, that's made my job and my sales team's job extremely, extremely easy. Now, Mark, the, the, the process, you know, you talked a little bit about the Vacoma situation with George reaching out to you, but just typically when, when you're trying to find your, your kind of your next stallion, uh, and I'd imagine it's the same for, for you guys, for Winstar, for, for Ashford, for, for Claiborne, it's all kind of the same process I would imagine, but what does that process look like? I mean, you know, when, when, when these two-year-olds, start winning grade ones do you start having conversations at that point is it a three-year-old thing um and, and kind of what's the the behind the scenes of acquiring a stallion to stand at spendthrift well we we definitely uh start putting them on the radar when they break their maiden uh you know we'd love to see a two-year-old that breaks their maiden impressively and and when they do that then you know we put them on our our watch list is what we call it and then we'll determine as we move along, is this a horse that we want to try to, to buy a piece of? Is this a horse that we want to try to acquire the breeding rights? And it's tricky because, you know, there was a horse that, that won, you know, very impressive uh, up at Saratoga this year, Ghost Sapper horse that Deuce Greathouse had. And, and, you know, but he had not won a grade one yet. And so, you know, we, we were very interested, but we were, we were interested in buying a piece of the racing rights. Well, you know, that doesn't always play in tune uh, with what, you know, the owners are trying to do on their end, because now all of a sudden, if Spinthrift is, is part ownership on the horse, then it makes them trying to get a deal with somebody else more difficult. And I get it, but we're also are trying to buy, you know, if we're doing that, we're trying to buy in on a horse that we feel like has got some talent and, that can go on and, you know, and be a horse. Well, you know, nothing worked out at the time, you know, on that horse and we'll just follow him along and see, you know, see what he does, you know, moving forward. Uh, he had a little setback there and didn't get to run in the hopeful and, you know, hopefully he'll get back to the races for those guys. But, but with any of them, you know, we start following along at that point. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, we get, some you know uh, some inside information you know because we're talking to the trainers talking to you know the folks involved with them about you know how good is this horse what do you think of this horse you know does this horse do you think he's a horse that can you know get to the grade one level and you know all of that just kind of factors in but really for us if we're going to do a breeding right deal for the most part not not all of our horses that we have here uh are grade one winners when we do a deal but for the most part, they are. And uh, and then that's when we really start talking to them about trying to get something done. Uh, of course, you've got a lot of competition at that point. As you mentioned, everybody's chasing chasing these same horses. And so that's, uh, that's a battle, you know, on these things. And, you know, you've got some deep-pocketed farms. I mean, we've been outrun on several that we, you know, tried to chase after. But it was really you know, uh, the valuations that we put on the horse, you know, we, we thought a horse was, could stand for X amount of dollars and the farm that wind up getting the horse, 
you know, had a higher valuation. They felt like the horse could stand for more money. And a lot of times that's what it comes down to. But, you know, we'll, um, we'll try to be there to watch these horses run. You know, when we chased Matoli, you know, we were at Churchill over there uh, talking to Bill and Korean. You know, we go to the Met Mile. We're there talking to them and, you know, just working on trying to build that relationship and, and hopefully be able to, you know, put enough dollars in front of them that, you know, that we land the horse. But it all starts with seeing a very impressive, you know, horse breaking its maiden. Um, Mr. Hughes used to always say, he goes, he goes, I'm, I'm just looking for that wow performance. You know, I, I, a horse needs to have had a wow performance for us to really, you know, zero in on that horse. And so that's what we try to look for. I remember on Omaha Beach, I flew down to Oakland for the Rebel. And, of course, Richard Mandela is trained for Spencer for forever. And Richard is, is as good as they get. And, and you know, he, he had trained and he was grazing him outside the barn there and and uh and he said he goes I, I think he's the best horse i've ever trained and when richard mandela tells you that you're like what you know because you start thinking about all of the great horses that richard's trained and and he's saying i think this might be the best horse i've ever trained well you know that was the immediate call to wayne is that listen i'm just telling you you know richard's not a bser richard's a straight shooter and Richard believes this wholeheartedly. And I think we got to try to figure out how to buy this horse. And, and you know, Omaha Beach had everybody after him. You know, Godolphin's trying to buy him, uh, uh, everybody. Uh, you know, uh, Claiborne, Gainesway, on and on and on. Just had all the, our competitors trying to get it. And, and so Wayne just said, you know, we can't do a – regular offer on this horse he said it's we're not going to be able to get him somebody else is going to wind up getting the horse and so we did a huge front end loaded deal uh to where you know our kickers were very little bitty kickers i mean not many kickers at all in the deal but a huge amount of money up front and so that got us the horse i mean it was just uh wayne blew him away basically mr porter's a hard negotiator and god rest his soul but you know he and wayne were were uh somewhat friends wayne had, had helped him some with some medical issues you know there when he'd gotten a bad prognosis and and but wayne didn't want that to to lean on us getting the horse so wayne you know gave him an offer that that blew all the competitors out of the water and you know, we're, we're thrilled to death that we've got Omaha here and, and the way these horses have sold and the belief that trainers and, and owners are, are putting in Omaha, you know, you, you feel like the future is very bright. Would you consider Spendthrift a, a, a stallion making farm first and, and, and basically what the, the goal is always to kind of elevate the stallions uh, you know, you, you'll race the mares, but in order to, to get good mares that can elevate stallions, or is there still kind of a, a, a racing experience um, portion of, of what what you guys do at Spendthrift? Well, it's it's changed a little bit um, as, we've, as we've gone along here with Eric and Tammy taking over. You know, Wayne would race some horses, but Wayne really was a, wanted the money. He wanted to sell. 
he didn't really want to uh, uh, race a bunch of horses. You know, we maybe, you know, had six, seven, eight horses in training, you know, when Wayne was living. You know, maybe there was times we had a few more than that. But Wayne, Wayne loved the racing, but he didn't want many of them. And as we've progressed now to his daughter and her husband, Eric, you know, they have more of a passion for racing. They like racing. They like going to the track uh on the big days they like having horses in on those days and so we have become a lot more of a of a racing farm as far as uh us going out and acquiring yearlings uh you know we we bought quite a few out of the sale here at keeneland uh through the first two books we we partnered with several different people from the colts group to micropoli and and Vinnie Viola and, and uh, uh, several others. I don't want to leave anybody out, but those are the ones that, you know, kind of come to mind first. And so, you know, Spencer has a lot more horses in training now than we used to have. So that's definitely an arm of the farm. It's definitely a, 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 an exciting part. We'd love to be able to, you know, buy a yearling that turns into a, you know, a stallion prospect for us. And, and in the case of Tamara, you know, here we've got a filly that we bred that's going to, you know, turn out to be a, you know, a, a, a great asset with her being a grade one winner to our to our broodmare band one day. But uh, the stallion business is 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 where I live. Um, I, I love watching our horses race, but really the the racing end of Spencer doesn't have anything to do with me, uh, in all honesty, uh, what they pay me for is to help them acquire stallion prospects, help identify those. And then if we acquire them to be on the phone, talking to breeders all day and, you know, getting as many mares possible to that horse to give them every chance, you know, to, to make it or not make it as a stallion, but, but not be lack of mares, you know, be the reason that the horse didn't get a, get a fair shake. And so that's, that's my focus is, is trying to find that next, big stallion that can come in here you know we have Tava that's now here at the farm for this year he sold out in about 10 minutes you know jk didn't take us long there to to be sold out you know we realized within about 20 minutes of of uh, announcing the stud fee on Tava that we might have underpriced him a little bit because you know it just everybody you talk to you know save me one save me two and we wind up having so many requests that you know we've only been able to give breeders you know just one spot uh, to Taba, which is, you know, difficult because we've got a lot of people that we're going to have to call this week to tell them that, unfortunately, you know, we're not going to be able to, to get them in there. Um, you know, when you got a horse in this much demand, you know, you've got to look out for your, your bigger breeders that take care of your other stallions as well, you know, that are breeding to into mischief, breeding to authentic, breeding to Vacoma you know, that are, uh, uh, are big supporters of other stuff you're doing. And those are the ones, you know, that, that are going to wind up, you know, getting the, getting the contracts and, you know, we'll have Zandon, uh, Zandon's going to run in the Woodward. He's a horse that won the bluegrass. Uh, he was second in the Mets, second in the Whitney, uh, going to run Saturday. Hopefully he can win the Woodward and then head on with some momentum out to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, he'll arrive here after the Breeders' Cup. And then Arabian Lion, beautiful son of Justify. Uh, he may run in the San Diego Sprint Championship this weekend. 
I think that's along the lines Bob was thinking, but he's a horse that, you know, either run in the Breeders' Cup Sprint or the Mile. And, you know, uh, you got the Malibu sitting out there in his backyard the day after Christmas. And, you know, that's also a, a great one you'd like to pick up. It's been a good sire-making race. It's been a great race for a lot of different stallion farms. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a thought. He's not a horse that, you know, we're up against it. He, he'll sell out extremely fast once we, you know, once we get him here. So, if, you know, if they need to run him, in that and then you know we'll see what happens if anything else pops up i mean we're we're in talks on a few more horses and uh you know the breeders cup's gonna classic is gonna dictate some of that on what what shakes loose and who might race next year and who might retire and uh you know we'll uh we'll have our hat thrown in the ring on uh on a couple of those out there if they were to to win the breeders cup classic so we're we're just working on a roster of three right now and and maybe potentially we'll have four uh, when we start the 2024 season. Uh, Mark, the last thing I, I just kind of wanted to, to touch on in your role as a, as a, you know, stallion sales manager, what's, what, what, you know, kind of break out your year um, and, and kind of the important times. And, and if you want to kind of, you know, work in a, in a, you know, in a 365 starting point from here, but like from this point, you know, what, what is your main, objective what are you working on the most what are your days looking like and then when does that transition to to, to something else and and so on and so forth what does, a, what does a year look like for you well so we you know off of Tamara's win out in california that that let us be able to get bolt uh booked up so then Taba arrives and so now all this week i'm working on getting and my sales guys we're just getting our contracts out to everybody that's going to get a Taba season right now we're we're going to do 155 spots on him. Uh, Spencer just keeping 15 spots uh, for Ned to breed on. And the ownership group is has got 10 breeding rights uh, in the horse. So we have 155 spots to Taba. My hope is all 155 of those contracts go out the door, you know, this week. Uh, once we get that put to bed, you know, we'll see what happens as we've got these Breeders' Cup preps coming up. But you know, we've got to get our heads together on what we're going to price Maximus, Vino, Matoli, and Omaha at uh, for 2024. Uh, so hopefully we'll know more about that. We'll be able to kind of come to a consensus of, of where, what we want to price those at. As soon as we price those, you know, then it's just going to be immediately on the phone. We've got list already started of people that said, hold me an Omaha, hold me a Vino, hold me a, a Maximus Mischief. So we'll be getting back to those folks. This is the price. This is where we're at. You know, are you comfortable? Or are we good to go ahead and send you a contract? And then, you know, as we progress more, you know, toward November sale, mares are changing hands, more business being done. We are just all out, JK, from here out uh, until really probably the first week or two in May. You know, we're doing contracts, we're doing seasons, we're on the phone, we're talking to breeders, we're going to the sales, we're shaking hands and kissing babies, and we're just doing anything we can to get people to breed with us and not our competitors. And, uh, you know, as Mr. Hughes said, he goes, I don't want to put those guys out of business, I just want to damage them. And so, you know, we, uh, we do everything we can to uh, uh, try to get as much business over here. Once we get to about the middle of May, 
things will start slowing down for us. Then it's just doing some cleanup work on some contracts that maybe something Mayor didn't do right and we want to go a different direction or we want to switch stallions and do something along that line. And and then we kind of get, you know, if, if anybody's taking vacation around here, we we take it in the month of July outside of the week of the face of Tipton sale. And, and uh, then, you know, we get back, we get geared up to go to Saratoga. And when Saratoga rolls around, you know, we're right back in sales mode. And uh, we're moving forward then for, you know, for 2025 uh, when next August gets here. And, you know, it's a thrill to go up there to Saratoga. We so enjoy you on the show and and watching the bickering back and forth sometimes with Andy and whoever, Tom, whoever's on the show. We all get a big kick out of watching that. And, you know, all of us, one of the highlights for us of the year is 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 going to Saratoga. Uh we had a gentleman that was kind of running the show over here when I first came over here and, you know, he didn't want to do his pricing or anything for us until, you know, until closer to the November sale. And, and Mr. Hughes just didn't like that. You know, he didn't like waiting. He wanted to take advantage of situations. And so, you know, he, he said, well, you want to go to Saratoga? And of course we all said yes. And he said, well, then that's when we're going to start selling seasons. And so that's what we've done. For years and years, Saratoga, we get it kicked off. And most of the time, JK, we've we have booked a thousand mares in over here before any of our competitors start. And that's a huge advantage for us taking these mares, you know, out of the pipeline uh, and going ahead and having them locked in with us. And and uh, uh, it's you know, it's something we we look forward to getting up there and getting as many deals done at Saratoga and then just keeping that momentum as we move forward and had a great time up there. You know, George has got Miss Domina that, that, uh, that, that I bred with Jacob Tammy that played 12 or 13 years in the NFL. And, and uh, she has won three years in a row at Saratoga while I've been up there for the sale. And it's crazy. George always has her geared up and ready to go. It seems (laughs) like that week. And I always walk over there, go in the paddock, and then walk in the winter circle with those guys. And so, you know, that's huge fun up there. And anytime you're hanging out with Randy Hills, you know, you know you're in for a good time. And and you know, we've been blessed with the wine steward, you know, winning a race up there this year. And we had virtual reality uh, uh, breaker maiden up there in New York this year. And uh, unfortunately, in the match race, uh, we figured out that that uh, the French jockey probably probably uh hadn't rode many match races and uh then uh you know we had rocket and roll uh break his maiden up there a son of bolt doro that keith crupper a good friend of mine bred and and so you know we did we had a lot of highlights at saratoga and, and we hope there's some more highlights you know for the handful of horses out there running that we were fortunate enough to breed well, Mark, I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to to share what you guys have going on at Spendthrift and to talk a little bit about the day in the life. It's it's a it's a you know for for a lot of the horse players, it's a it's the one part of the game I think that's that's you know it's it's the the hardest for for all of us to wrap our brains around because it's not what we do every day. But you know, hearing all the the behind the scenes is always a lot of fun and getting excited about these stallions that that we all watched race. And now we get to watch them uh, be daddies, and then. Look, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, that Tamara is going to be a, a large part of, of my Breeders' Cup. I, I think she's uh, she looks like she might be pretty special. Well, she does, and and you know, I know 
Richard had went back and forth about whether to run her in the chandelier or, or, you know, wait on the Breeders' Cup. And he kind of announced the other day that he thinks he's just going to wait on the Breeders' Cup. You know, they, they downgraded the chandelier to a grade two. And I don't know how that weighed in all of the conversation, but, you know, she's got her grade one win, you know, and now, you know, if she can knock out this next one in the Breeders' Cup, then she's not only another grade one win, but she's champion two-year-old filly. And, and that's a, you know, that's just a huge, huge update to uh, any horse's resume. And I, I, I think you're on the right track. And, and uh, JK, thank you again for all you do for promoting our sport. I mean, you, you, your shirts are everywhere. I've got two of them in my closet. And uh, I just, you know, I so appreciate all you do for, for horse racing and all of your, your followers and fans. I know we all feel the same way. Just keep doing what you're doing, and and uh, we're all watching and and uh, and cheering along. Mark, I appreciate that, and I really like, uh, I want to say I appreciate you taking the time. And we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you at uh, Santa Anita. All right, we look forward to it. Hey, have a great one. Thanks for including me. You too. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Oh, that was a lot of fun. I I always learn. It's my favorite part of the industry to kind of learn more about, which is like the breeding sales um stallion side of things it's just it's so interesting it's how all of these things come together and and uh it's an interesting thing you know trying to 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 get these stallions to to mares and and, and hope they run fast and hope they run well and then and then uh it's interesting how one good horse can kind of really get another get a stallion going. I think it's, it's, it's a uh, super interesting and I'm really appreciative of Mark taking the time and, and, and kind of walking us through the, the roster. It's, it's been thrift. I hadn't looked at their roster in a while. I mean, they got a lot of, a lot of really cool horses that I loved on the racetrack, excited to see them uh, in their next careers. And then, I mean, honestly, it was, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting conversation to have, but, but intriguing uh, the conversation about Bolt Doro and, and, and how specific uh, he is in, in doing uh, his job as a, as a stallion. Um, I, I want, like I said, I want to thank Mark. I want to thank our friends at Qatar, uh, Qatar Racing for for their support. Uh, excited to see what's next for Ever So Mischievous. Excited to see uh, what's next for Caravel. Um, excited to see what's next for the the is it the maroon and gold? Do they call it maroon? I should probably check with Sheikh Fahad and see if it's if it's maroon. It looks maroon to me. I'm going to go with maroon. Maybe it's not, but I'm going to go with maroon. Um, just, you know, it makes sense to me. Um, want to thank everybody for listening. Want to thanks for uh, sticking with us during our little vacation break. Like I said, we're back. So expect an episode every week. If you have some ideas of some people you'd like to hear on the show, uh, hit me up on Twitter and, and let me know who that might be and uh, see if we can't get them on this. This was a uh, Mark Toothaker was actually an idea from uh, one of our friends, Regan Swinbank who wanted to, to kind of know a little bit more about some sales stallion stuff. He, he's heavily involved now and, and, and thought that uh, Mark would be a great idea. And so uh, I'm glad that he had that idea. So uh, let me know if you have any other ideas of who we should have on. We've got a, a long list of people we're going to get in before the end of the year, but uh, you know, I'll always take suggestions. want to thank PTF. want to thank Drew. I uh, want to thank everyone else on the network with a podcast. Um, and thank you all the most for listening, supporting, retweeting, tweeting, sharing, liking, favoriting, um, all of those actions that you can do. Well, we'll see you next week. I need to know everything. Who in the what in the where I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. 
I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything. Now you'd be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk. So I'm letting them talk.